for preaching time. Would you take now your servants and open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, that we may see, hear, and feel you speak to us. We're hungry now. This Palm Sunday, we need instruction. Do it, Lord, as your spirit delights. Remember me that my feet are but clay. My sins are many. But if you forgive and purge, then we'll be a vessel available for your use. And that's my prayer today. said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for his marvelous kindness. Grace and joy to you, family. Welcome to another Lord's Day. Isn't the house of the Lord looking better and better as we go? Amen. How y'all like them seats? Amen. Then y'all can help me pay for them at the end of service. Sometimes you just got to put them in here and let people sit on them. Amen. It's hard to pay for stuff you can't see. Amen. So be thinking about giving to help us with the seat campaign. You look so beautiful up here. I almost said, look like Raider Country in here. Amen. But I didn't. I didn't say it. I'm grateful for your new beginnings. You are a beautiful church, and the Lord is pleased. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. There you will find a very familiar portion of scripture. We are walking exegetically through the word of God, and we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible books and chapters at a time. Family? So if you are a visitor here today and you are looking for an opportunity to study God's word and to grow with a beautiful bunch of Christians, why don't you join today? Make this your church home. Amen? So look on with somebody next to you as we study God's word. Welcome home, Chris. Good to see you, son. Amen. 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 5. If you have it, say, I got it, Pastor. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go, attack the Philistines, and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, look, we, we are afraid. We're afraid here in Judah. And, and how much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. 
And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Cala, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you this morning and say, Neighbor. Good morning, good morning. My pastor wants to preach to you about a savior for the city. Amen. You may be seated. A savior for the city. Family, every now and then we run across one of those passages where it is obvious that God is at, at work. In these types of passages, there seems to always be a theme of salvation and the theme of obedience for the one who is seeking to do God's will. Today we get to see a city like this, Brother McBee, a city that was under siege from a hostile enemy who was wreaking havoc and causing major problems in the life of God's people. However, God in this text, he uses the new king, David, to come in and to rescue them without them ever calling for a savior, ever looking for a savior, or ever expecting a savior. David becomes a king who is in the saving business. He fights for them. He watches out for them. He ministers to them through the intercession of warfare. David becomes a picture of Jesus in this text. How Jesus would come in the New Testament. We can learn today what it means to have a savior for the city. There's three points today I want to wrestle with. I'm so glad that AV is here today. They had the privilege of going to a great conference last night. City Summit. Amen. Where leaders talk about strategically living for God in the city. What a great day. I'm glad you're here, A.V., because today we're going to talk about what it means to have a savior for Fresno. Y'all in here? Three points I'm going to talk about. Number one, we're going to talk about information about the enemy. Information about the enemy. Then number two, we're going to talk about inquiry about the enemy. And then the third point, we'll close this on the screen there for you, insecurity about the enemy. Are y'all in here with me? Okay, I'm going to have you pray with me and work with me today. The text opens in verse 1. It says, that Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Caleb. And, somebody say and. and. They are robbing the threshing floors. Let's unpack this text. When we come to this passage, we see that the men, the 400 men, 
who are following David, they bring him some very important news. And it's news concerning their enemies, their enemies' activity, and their enemies' diabolical behavior, not against them, but against their neighbors. And this news is bad news for the children in Judah. It's bad news because the Philistines were ruthless people. And David's people come to him saying they are fighting against the residents. That's one, two. One, two. Test one. Test one, two. Test one. in my nose but let me say it sometimes Christians when you fight each other you give the enemy the green light to come in and destroy your city you know what's wrong with Fresno the church is fighting each other and because we're fighting each other the enemy then got a green light to come in and destroy the place according to the report the enemy was ruthless and not, watch this, not only were they fighting, they were robbing the threshing floors. In other words, this was a hostile takeover. It was a vicious act of warfare on the part of the Philistines. Now, this was the place, this was the place, the threshing floors, where they would have harvested all of their grains and their resources. And it was the place where they made their living. And now the enemy had not only taken them, but he had taken their resources and their livelihood, and he took it all by force. Can I say some more? The people who lived in Cala, again, were residents of Judah, but they would have been residents in small numbers. They were an agricultural community which means they would have lived on the outskirts of the major cities in Judah. But in order to conquer the major cities in Judah, the enemy had to first conquer those who lived on the periphery of Judah. Am I making sense? 
So when David hears this news, it would have been vital information and it would have been called to do something on behalf of those who were in need of his help. Listen to this, guys. This would have been a great injustice that was happening near a location where David was hiding from Saul. This was warfare against God's people who couldn't fight for themselves. This was warfare by an enemy, watch this, that David was already experienced in defeating. And so those who knew David and knew he had once been victorious against the Philistines were quick to tell him of the enemy's activity. And so they told him because David knew what to do. Can I say it again? That this was a ruthless enemy that David despised and he had something still harboring in his heart against the Philistines. But he also had a love for God's people. Sometimes, family, in life, we too are made aware of the enemy's activity in the lives of people we know. Sometimes God brings a crisis to you to see what you will do on behalf of God and his people. God could have handled the Philistines himself. Y'all ain't in here. But instead he tells somebody to tell David. Because God wants to see what David's going to do under this new anointing as the king to be of Israel. Can I say some more? Sometimes believers are needed to help rescue people who are under the attack of the enemy. Brother Sean, this text is a great picture for us of the world. See, just like the citizens of Gala, Satan is at war with them and is doing his best to destroy them, their families, their resources, and their lives. You ain't the only one he's bothering this morning. Can I say some more? The child of God who has been successful in warfare has an obligation, Reverend Greer, to help those who are under attack from the evil one. Let me help you here today. If God has blessed you to be victorious over the wicked one, you've got an obligation, New Beginnings. To minister to a city of people who are not so fortunate. Can I tell you it ain't about you? It ain't about you just being prosperous and you having peace. It's about your city. I'm trying to call you to something bigger than you this morning. It's about your neighborhoods being free from the grasp of the activity of the underworld. That was the information about the enemy. Look at point number two, the inquiry about the enemy. The Bible says in verse two, because somebody turn on that air. Is it summer or spring? Where we at? Come on, help me. Somebody help me. 
somebody get the air for me. The inquiry about the enemy. Look at verse 2. The text says, Therefore, David inquired about the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? He's talking to God. And the Lord said to David, Go and attack. Attack the Philistines and watch this. And save. Circle that word. Caleb. Y'all see that right there? Wow. David in this verse displays for me what I call is a heart for justice. When he hears of the people, Masons, that the struggle of Judah, their loss of property, their warfare with the Philistines, he inquires of the Lord, watch this, when it's not even his own personal fight. He sees the Philistines as all of Israel's enemies. Can I say some more? He sees them as the enemies of God. Even when Judah and Israel were divided and at odds, they were a divided nation, David felt obligated to do something about their calamity. David is a protector of the innocent and the weak. So before he asks the people of Kayla, do they want any help, he goes to the Lord to ask if he should go fight on behalf of the innocent. Can I say some more? There's nothing in the text that says he goes to ask Kayla if you need some help. Sometimes you ain't got to ask if they need some help. It's obvious they need some help. Can I say some more? I learned something here in this text that David's inquiry of the Lord, yeah, 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 is a direct response of what he know he should do. Why? Because he's a man of prayer. Not only is he a man of prayer, he's a warrior. Watch this. He's a warrior, Brother Manuel, that don't fight every battle. Am I making sense? He consults God first to discern if the Lord is with him and if he is about to do or rather, if what he's about to do is in the Lord's will. In other words, in other words, he's not fighting everything that comes his way. Y'all catch that right there? He's not fighting every enemy because they are an enemy. He's not fighting what he's not led to fight or where God is not leading him to fight. He's not fighting for Judah. He ain't fighting for Israel. He's fighting because the Lord has given him permission to defeat the Philistines. In other words, he's fighting in the name of Yahweh. Isn't that something right there, y'all? It's a difference when you're fighting for the Lord's glory and fighting because you're mad at somebody. Can I open the text? This is important for the child of God. We have to learn how to fight at the right times. We have to learn how to fight with a spirit of righteousness. 
We, we have to learn how to fight. When the Lord says to fight, we have to fight, Sister Wilson, because the Lord has called us to fight. Not because you got some other agenda. The Bible says that the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines. And watch this now, save Caleb. You see the correlation? That fighting in righteousness is directly correlated to the salvation of a city. God never sends us to fight to just destroy people, but to fight that people might be saved. That's the difference between you and the Black Panthers. That also can be the difference between you and the Black Lives Matter. Of course black lives matter. But they don't matter if you just fighting just because you angry. You got to fight so that people can be saved. Y'all ain't hearing me. Be careful about jumping on the movements that ain't going nowhere. That's not motivated with the spirit of righteousness. For the love of God that people might be saved. Everybody fighting about something. But if the end result is not that lives will be saved and people might come to Jesus, here it is. You heard it right here from New Beginners. It ain't your fight. This made some of y'all mad. I don't care. Get over it. You know what I like about this text? David prays and God heard his prayer. God not only heard his prayer, but he gave him instruction. He told him to go. Attack him. That's my God right there. He's a fighter. Attack him and save Kayla from the enemy. Look, here we get to see the Lord working on behalf of people who don't even know he's working. In other words, the Lord has a weapon he's about to unleash on the enemy. And the weapon's name is David. You're the weapon of the Lord. This battle was the Lord's. And the Lord had a man who could wield the sword in the battlefield. Because he prayed, Garcia, he got direction. Instruction, guidance, permission, and a divine assignment. Watch this now. To save a city. Don't lose that, guys. Don't lose that. Here I discover that God gives a mandate to save a city from the enemy. God has a love for cities. Why? People live in cities. People make up families. Families make up neighborhoods. Neighborhoods make up communities. Communities make up districts. Districts make up counties. And counties make up cities. And God in this text wants to stop an enemy, watch this now, from devastating a city. 
And I like this because this is city theology, right? He has a man who cares and a man who asks if he can and if he should go against an enemy that hates humanity. God recognizes and David recognizes that the Philistines have come to steal. They took the threshing floor to kill and to destroy. Y'all put that together. Put that together. John chapter 10. Am I talking to you? The same picture of the Philistines is a picture of Satan. He comes to do what? Steal to kill. And he comes to do that about your city that you are resident in. Listen, New Beginnings, you must be more than a pew member. If God has called you to be active in the church of Jesus Christ, in this local church, that's also a call to save your city. I need the pastor right here. But some of y'all ain't there yet because it's only about you. You're only trying to save your family. Only trying to save your resources from being deplenished by the evil one. It's much bigger than you. It's much bigger than one socioeconomic class. God's trying to save a whole generation of people. And you are God's weapon. Tell your neighbor, it's time to get busy. It's time to get busy. When I look at this text, Reverend White, I'm all shook up. I'm, 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 I'm like Elvis. I'm all shook up. Amen. Look, look. When I look at this text, I can't help but, but be, be prompted to tell you that this is another picture of Satan. God loves cities and Satan hates cities. Can I tell you why? I believe he hates cities. Well, certain cities, he's deceived. And he's branded with wickedness. If I called out the names of certain cities, you would automatically think about a certain sinful behavior in that city. San Francisco. Las Vegas. Detroit. L.A. Oakland. You automatically think about a certain deviant behavior. Can I tell you why? Satan has branded that city with a vision to destroy it. He hates cities. He hates the cities in North America. You can read the news and say the North American cities are plagued with gang violence. Plagued with, with substance abuse. Murder, brokenness, heartache, pain, bitterness, loneliness, poverty, and great depression. All caused by sin and Satan. The devil hates the cities of America. And he does great evil across this country, destroying our cities. You don't need me to tell you, you can watch the 6 o'clock news. And see his handiwork at work in the lives of Fresno, the fifth largest city in the state of California. When I look at this text, I get some hope, though. I get some hope, Sister Wilson, because God had a weapon. 
And God's weapon was a man. And God's man had a heart for the city. Oh. And this man had intercession with God. And guess what he was praying about? Fighting for his city. Y'all not in here with me. So God gave David the green light. Because David had God's heart for the city. Can I tell you, God don't give everybody the green light. God gave David the green light because David wants what God wants for Caleb. God gave David the green light because David could be trusted with the mission of God for the city. We used to pray, New Beginnings, that God would give us the city. We used to pray that he would not only give us the city, but that he'd give us the valley. And when he was through giving us the valley, he would give us, he would give us the state. Because we had a heart for the things of God. We had a heart to want to transform the lives of God's people who were being devastated by the enemy of their souls. Look, the question is then, can God trust you? With the souls of men. Can God trust you with an assignment. To save cities. New beginnings. Can God trust us. With a ministry request like this. Can God trust you. With his divine authority. To engage a wicked enemy. Who has come to steal. To kill. And to destroy. Question is not an individual question, it's a collective question. And I believe the answer is no. He can't trust us with saving the city because we don't love him like we ought to. We're not committed believers, we're fair weather believers. I know you fair weather because you don't study with us in Bible study. You don't study with us in life groups. You ain't been a member of no ministry since you've been here. You can't tell me you committed. So when we cry out, God, give us the city, the answer is, I can't even trust you with the zip code. See, all I'm trying to get at, I'm trying to push every button today, is that if you're called to be a follower of Christ, you're called to be a member in the local church, and a member in the local church is a member on mission for God. And if you're on mission for God, then you've got a mission to save the law. You know what we need? We need a David in Fresno. We need a man who can ask God for permission to wipe out drug abuse. We need a man, Brother Nichols, like David in Fresno. A brother who could ask God for permission to stamp out human trafficking. Come on, lean in here. Come on. We need a David in Fresno. A man who could petition God for permission. To destroy gang activity, prostitution, corporate greed, poverty, 
racism, illiteracy, hatred, greed, and satanic assaults against the innocent. Y'all in here with me? We need a David in Fresno. Somebody who's bold enough with the heart of God to ask God to give him the things that are breaking God's heart. I'm tired of doing church. I'm tired of week in and week out preaching to y'all, leaving out, coming in the same way you left out. I wasn't called to do that. My prayers are not your prayers. I'm through asking God to bless you with stuff. Because stuff keeps you away from him. My prayer is God, take it away. That they may see their need for a savior. I think I'm going to lose half my members after this sermon. We need a David in our city who's willing to war against sin. I got two yeses and no amens. We need a David in this city who's willing to declare war on sin and who will lead God's people into victory over the flesh, over the world, and over the devil. Can I get a witness in here? This war is real. And half of us are bleeding all over the place. Because we become victims of a warfare that we forgot we were even a part of. We talked about today the importance of the enemy. We talked about today, number two, the inquiry that David had about the enemy. Let me close. We're dealing with the insecurity about the enemy. When we come to verse 3, the Bible says, But David's men said to him, Look at this, guys. Look, we are afraid. We're afraid here, take, they say, in Judah. How much more than if we go to Caleb against the army of the Philistines? Verse 4, this threw me for a loop. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him again and said, Arise, go down to Caleb, for I will deliver the Philistines in your hand. When we come to this portion of the text, we see what David didn't see. We see fear creep into the ranks of his men. Y'all in here? David in this verse gets the okay from Yahweh to go to battle in verse 2. But the men haven't got the same instructions from Yahweh. All they knew was that the Philistines were marching in Caleb. And that they were devastating God's people. All they knew, they hadn't been privy to hearing God's word to David. They were going on history. 
And because they were fearful of this enemy, even though David had a good record of wins against the enemy, it was the situation and the circumstances that made them afraid of this right now situation. Can I preach it like I feel it? Notice what they said, Kabuya. Look, we are afraid here in Judah. Let me unpack that. Israel had been divided. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So they were not on the best terms in relationships. They were running from Saul from the wilderness, and now they enter into the outskirts of Judah, and they are afraid of their own people. here in Judah but you want us to go down further into the city and Kayla and now fight with an enemy on a turf that don't belong to us we're fearful oh help me Holy Ghost just a little while I noticed something here they as men called in chapter 22, to make David their captain, they came to be men of war. But now the thought of fighting has them fearful. Okay, let me ask you a question and it'll bring you in slower. Have you ever been a fight in a fight where you weren't sure you couldn't win? Have you ever questioned your ability? To be successful in a difficult situation? Have you ever wondered if this fight was your fight? Fear made these men, watch this now guys, unsure, unstable, unsteady, unreliable, and unreasonable. And according to the text, it's the first time that this army that God has assembled will fight under David's command. Okay, let me give you some more. In other words, Garcia, they ain't had no victories yet as an army. <coughs> they haven't had no battle scars yet. They have, they have never fought Sister Trina as one. And because they haven't, they don't know what they can do because it's never been done before. They're afraid, Kabuya. And so they tell their captain, we're afraid. And we don't think this war is a good idea. I have people tell me that kind of stuff all the time as pastors. I don't know for a pastor if that's the right idea. Well, first of all, I didn't ask you. <laughs> David never consults with the army on if they should fight the enemy. He's a warrior. And he's got to lead the army. What do that look like? The leader coming to you asking you and you following the leader. Can I say some more? The Bible says, this will get me. The Bible says, the Bible says that when David hears this, he goes back into prayer. Katie, this is interesting. Verse 4, he inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him again. Arise and go down to Caleb. This portion of the narrative is interesting because we actually see David going back into prayer about the battle. 
when he had already heard the Lord tell him to go and fight the Philistines. What's happening, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. It's interesting because it's almost as if when the men become fearful, their fear now affects the leader. And he starts to question. Maybe I shouldn't. Go down and fight. I believe that the fear of the army almost makes David not believe in what he heard the Lord tell him to do. You know why? Fear is contagious. Here I come. Here I come. It has a way of killing your dreams. Come on, stay in here with me. You can't say God gave you a dream and then be afraid. Fear is contagious because it has a way of paralyzing your hopes. Because fear is contagious, it can turn dreams into nightmares. Because fear is contagious, it can take your eyes off what the Lord showed you and put it on the what ifs. Y'all ain't in here? And the what ifs are satanic lies. To keep you from doing for what God called you to do. I got a pocket full of amens on my own right here. Can I say like I feel it? Because fear is contagious. Many a Christian has stayed in the pew. In the safety of the sanctuary. Instead of doing something great for God. You don't need another prayer to find out if he called you to do what he told you to do. You need to quit hanging around people who are afraid. Because people who are afraid don't do nothing for God. Let me talk to this side over here. You got to shake a loose the Freddy cats. Because people who are fearful never experience God on the cutting edge. Uh, because of fear, Brother Reuben, many a Christian has let go of their burning desire to run for God. And they settle for something unfulfilling. Who am I talking to today? Somebody looking at me right now. You settling because you afraid. You might not get another man. When the one you settling with God ain't sent to you. God has told somebody to start a business in his name. But you afraid. Because it ain't what the market declares will work. Somebody's settling right now. God called you to go back to school to get equipped for the work of the ministry. But you afraid. You can't pay the rent. Well, you ain't been paying it anyway. Somebody this morning is afraid. To step out and do what God has called you to do. Because the what ifs have you as a prisoner. Or the buts. I would but. Fear almost grips David. Until. Somebody's here until. He runs back in the presence of the Lord. I can't leave y'all like that. You know I can't. Can I say some more? 
Notice this, Reverend White. It's in the presence of the Lord where his vision gets renewed. It's in the presence of the Lord where he gets reminded of what the Lord called him to do. It's in the presence of the Lord where he gets revived to believe he can conquer the enemy from trying to destroy his city. It's in the presence of the Lord, Brother Staley, where he's reminded that his life has meaning and it has purpose and he's to lead God's people into victory. It's in the presence of the Lord, Sister Tate, where he hears the word of the Lord and is able again to escape the fears of men. And I tell you, Brother Jasmine, if you want to escape the doubts of men, go into prayer and listen to God's voice. Come on in here. If you want to escape the fears of people, live in the Lord's presence in prayer. Sister Wilson, if you want deliverance from the doubters, lay out before the Lord in prayer. If you want to be sure you've heard him speak, go back again and talk to the Lord. If you need confirmation regarding the Lord, what the Lord has called you to do, watch this. You don't got to get confirmation from man. Go back to God in prayer. Can I waddle right there for a minute? Sometimes when the what ifs come, you've heard God say something. And you waiting for confirmation, you're going to talk to a best friend who will talk you out of what God has called you to do. And then you'll agree with the satanic what ifs and call that confirmation. You wasn't supposed to do that, see? That's confirmation. No, it ain't. That's fear. The natural human tendency is to choose what's safe. God never calls you to choose what's safe. He always calls you to take a risk to be a living sacrifice. Half the time I know it ain't God because it's too easy. God never calls you to do what you can do in your own strength. He calls you to God-sized task. And that's how you know it's God. Shake somebody and tell them, you, got, you can't be afraid no more. You can't be afraid. Can I preach all of it? When I got ready to plant this church, I had people who love me try to talk me out of it. When I got ready to leave our church in Alabama to come here and plant this one, don't you think I had members in that congregation telling me that wasn't the Lord? When I got ready to leave from Fresno, quit a job making over a hundred grand a year to leave everything, sell the house and go to grad school. Didn't know I had people tell me that ain't the Lord's will. You can go to school right here in Fresno. Keep your job, keep your benefits. You ain't got to do that. I had to go to the law and get renewed when I heard him say. Are y'all in here with me? God ain't never calling you to take the safe route. Yeah. 
ain't no risk involved. It probably ain't from Yahweh. Can I say more? Where there's risk involved, you got to walk by faith. If it's something you can do in your own strength, you ain't got to trust God for it. So God don't call you to the stuff you can do in your own strength. He always calls you to do something that's bigger than you, harder than you, and anything that you could ever do on your own. I'm glad David went back and got confirmation. I got to talk some more about fear. I'm trying to get off of it, but can I just say some more? <laughs> Don't you know that new beginning since we've been together over these eight years? I've had to consult the Lord over many things, over every move, over ministry decisions, over appointments, over consultations. But I've learned one thing. I'm never to make a decision based on fear. If I make a ministry decision based on fear, I've already lost. your family, your career, the ministry God has called you to based on fear, you've already disobeyed God. Faith and fear are mutually exclusive. The two don't go together. They're like oil and water. You can't say I believe and then be afraid. Don't live your life in the crucible of fear. Ain't no joy in that. You'll never get to know God better until you trust him for the unseen. All I'm trying to say is you can't be afraid of working for the Lord. Who am I talking to today? Who am I talking to today? You can't be afraid and be victorious. You can't be afraid, Sister Denise, and be successful too. I've learned in ministry, Deacon Mel, that fear immobilizes the Christian leader. Fear causes you to do nothing when you should move at God's command. Fear causes you to not believe that the Lord has you in the center of his will. Fear causes you to believe Pastor Baptiste, that you can't trust in the word of the Lord. Fear causes you, causes you to second guess, Carly, what God has already said. Fear causes you to go with the crowd instead of against the crowd. Fear almost got David, but he went back in the presence of the Lord. I love that text because the text says, and the Lord, he answered him. He said, Lord, I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. Can I say something right there? David, don't be afraid. The Philistines ain't going to be whooped by your army. I'm with you. Don't put your trust in men. To get this victory. Because they didn't already told you they're afraid. 
I'm going to deliver the Philistines into your hand. What a promise. What a promise from the Lord. When he just came from a conference of fear with men. Reverend Gray, the Lord spoke to David because the Lord had a mission for David to complete. Chew on that. See, when the Lord spoke this time, David could be confident, Grady, in what he heard. And he can move out in obedience to the Lord's command. Well, thank you, New Beginnings, for tolerating my rant this morning. But I want to land the plane with some good news in verse 5. The text says, and David and his men. Oh, you should circle that. They went to Caleb and they fought with the Philistines. They struck them with a mighty blow. Watch this now. And daughter Pee Wee, they took away their livestock. And so David he saved, Crystal, the inhabitants of Caleb. Notice this as we close this passage. We see David, yes, leading men who were fearful into the Lord's battle. The believers should pay attention to this passage, Dana, because if you were ever unsure how it looks to lead in fearful crowds, here's what it looks like. You do it by example. You do it because of obedience. You do it because the Lord <coughs> has told you what to do. You do it because you have a guaranteed victory. And you do it because the Lord is on your side. Y'all catch that? David can't just get the victory. He still got to go fight. God has promised him the battle, but he's got to do his part. Oh, I like that right there. It means, God, if I do my part, you're going to do yours. Am I making sense right here? Listen, you got to engage in the battle in order to get victory. You got to step out in faith to get what the Lord has promised to you. Now look at this. When David leads, Brother Freddie, the men follow. Don't overlook that. I know this is a different culture and we got strong women who have raised families who have matriculated through universities, who can do great things. But in this text, the women ain't called to fight. Hey, I like that right there. I like to know that if my sister, my queen, can throw if she have to. But I want Sister Wilson to switch. I don't want her to fight for me, amen. I, I want her nails to be done. I want her to be pretty. Oh, Y'all not listening to me. I don't need her to fight for me. That's what she got me for. Can I say some more? Brothers, quit letting your ladies fight for you. Don't, don't make them stand in front of you and take care of the family. 
What is this? The man stay at home while she fight on the job to feed y'all. What is this? Well, she got to go out and get the bread and the bacon and bring it home too. And you stay at home and do what you... God ain't told you to do that. The Bible said, David led the men who were afraid. Are you in here now? And they followed him. Can I say some more? Why did they follow him? Because God had gave him confidence. And there's something about a man who sees the confidence in another man. And when David took the confidence of God, he instilled it in the men that was following him. Hey, can I tell you like I feel it? And the man that gives another man confidence is the man that gets to lead men. Come on, talk to me. The man that'll build up another man is a man that a brother can trust safely in. Somebody said to me not long ago, why do men get to lead at New Beginnings? Because we building up men. It don't mean that the women can't lead. Y'all been leading the church for decades. It just means we trying to right the ship. Time for us to fight. And time for y'all to look pretty on the sideline. Come on, talk to me. I want to encourage my sister today. Go get your hair done. Go get your pedicure. Go get your manicure. And watch your man whoop this devil. Come on, talk to me. If Fresno is going to be won, it ain't going to be because the ladies did it from New Beginnings. It's going to be because the men of New Beginnings took their rightful place and led from a position of authority. Come on, talk to me. I can come home tired from fighting all day. Sister Wilson, rub my shoulders and tell them the bell about the ring, baby. We got two more rounds. You can do this. I'm like, ding, ding. Y'all not hearing me. Every man needs a woman in his corner that can massage the shoulders and make him believe he can knock out the enemy. I don't need no woman talking about give me the gloves. You ain't doing it right. Sit down. Let me show you how my mama did it. <laughs> I don't even know how I got out there. But all I'm trying to say is that David led with confidence and the men began to lead with confidence. David led by faith. And David led by assurance that God was in control. And every man wants to run with a man who's confident even when he's not. Am I making sense here? David led by the word of the Lord. And David led with confidence because God told him that God was going to defeat the Philistines. David led by example. And guess what, y'all? I'm almost through. I'm on my way down now. But LD, everybody wants a king who will lead by example. 
Oh, that was my cue right there. I see my exit. Because of faith, the new king conquered the enemy. Watch this now. I'm almost through. And he took back everything the enemy stole. I said he took back everything the Philistines stole. They stole everything from the threshing floor. And David came right behind him, defeated him, and took back what he stole from Caleb. Can I say some more? And the Bible says, and he saved Caleb. Can I tell you about another king? A king who's greater than David? A king where there's no comparison. A king who whooped our enemy and has taken back everything that the enemy stole. The king of salvation, Jesus, defeated Satan out on the cross. Jesus, my king, he made us victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he defeated Satan's grip on humanity. Out on the cross, Jesus took back what the devil stole from us. Out on the cross, he took man's right back to the tree of life. Out on the cross, he restored our relationship back to the Holy Father. Out on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. And by his stripes, we are healed. Out on the cross, he took power from the evil one and gave it back to you and I. Out on the cross, he made a way out of no way to reconcile men back to God. He died. Didn't he die? Died so I could be forgiven. He died and was placed in a borrowed tomb. An early Sunday morning. I said early Sunday morning. He got up from the dead with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And everything that the devil stole from me, God gave back to me. I said everything stole from me, God gave back to me. Can I call roll right here? I got my joy again. I got my hope again. I've got trust where the devil stole from me. I've got assurance because I trust in God. I got my confidence back. I got my swag back. I got my future, my eternal destination, my home and glory. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I got my dreams back. Got my goals back. Got my security back. My laugh is back. My smile has returned. My voice is back. My position with God is back. Jesus, Mary's baby, he stole it back. And right now, right now, I am so 
somebody. I'm a child of God. I'm a warrior. I'm a son of the king. I'm a royal heir. I'm a priest of the high court. I'm a brother and a friend, a daddy and a grandpa. I am somebody. Because God stole back what the devil took from me. Now, I don't know how you feel about him, but glad today my God is in the rescue business he saved Kayla the city of God and he saved Angelus the child of God and gave me back what the enemy took away did God save you today I'm no longer a sheep without a shepherd. He's good to me that way. Listen, don't let the devil steal from you anything more than what God has already taken back from him. Yes. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Our Father and our God. Thank you for giving us a Savior for the city. Thank you for teaching us today what it means to be the church. Reminding us that our mission must be to save those who are apart from you who don't know you, who are suffering under the tyranny of a wicked one. Thank you for reminding us that fear has no place in the life of the believer. But that faith is what you've called us to grab hold to we don't put our faith in faith, but we put our faith in you who gives us the faith to conquer those things that would come to hinder and hamper our relationship with you. 
Daddy, I just want to pray to you now for the one who is paralyzed by fear. Lord, they want to do something great for you. But failure, disappointments, distractions, and bad news reporters have kept them in an immobilized state. Would you break the shackles and chains of fear today all over this house so that your children may be released into greatness to do something, God, that would transform the lives of a dead generation, save the brokenness of a floundering city. God, we know that you gave David this permission because he had your heart. We want your heart for Fresno, for family, for our futures. Help us, oh God, restore. Restore our vision. Restore our compassion. Restore, God, the hope that we have, the love that we have, so that we may be the people you're calling us to be. Today we confess we have not done all that you told us to do because of fear. But we choose today to no longer live there. We choose to surrender our lives to you. And then, Father, I pray for the one who is here who does not have a personal relationship with you, who is far from you, who is lost in their trespasses and sin, who is on their way to a burning hell today, separated from a loving God who came to rescue them from that place. I pray for them today that, God, you would draw them into that place, that secret place, that intimate, loving relationship with you, draw them today. Then thirdly, I pray for the one who is here, Father, who loves you, who doesn't have a church home, and is looking for a place to serve, to grow, to be a part of this mission to transform lives and rescue the brokenness in this city. God, please speak to them today. Give them the courage to join ranks with your church. And to this end, we'll give you honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.